Yo, you know what time it is. It's time for the Yellow Mansion Chronicles. <laughs> and the boy Cool Kid himself. Thank you for stopping by. And if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe. Because we all got a hot one for you. Stay tuned. Excuse me, world. It took me like five tries to get this vibe right. Sidebar, you know when you got like put something together, you put your blood, sweat, and tears into it. When you finally got that niche for it, it's like the perfect. Only you, maybe that's nobody else, but who cares what everybody thinks? It don't matter what you think. Thought today. Um. Anywho. Uh, you already know who it is. <laughs> it's the boy with the cool kid himself. <laughs> and this is the Yellow Mansion Chronicles. <laughs> and I do apologize, man, if I sound like super tired. I'm trying to edit this episode all day. By the time it comes out, it's going to be like. It took all day Thursday to put this together. It's really been three days I've been working this out. Because I really didn't have a topic in mind. Um, speaking of, let's go ahead and get into it. No comment on what number episode this is because I really don't know what you said. Um, but hey, we're going to roll with it anyway. Make it do what it do. Um, um, I want to talk about today um, with this episode. Um, it's a really good combination of two topics. Um, really about the um, Aaron Hernandez, Aaron Hernandez um, case and documentary that just came out on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It really sheds some light on the man himself, not just him as a murderer. And everything like that. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it. I do apologize. Um, but with that. Talking about the documentary. We also going to combine that. With talking about the feeling of being trapped. Now I know what you're thinking. How does. The Aaron Hernandez documentary. Documentary. Excuse me. Combines with the actual thought. Of the feeling of being trapped. Um, we gonna get into that and you gonna see how it mesh together this is why it took me three days to get it together <laughs> so uh, first off let's go ahead and get into it man um, now if you haven't like I said before if you haven't seen it already 
It's this new docu-series. It's a limited series, a three-part series. It's called um, Killer Series, um, The Story of Aaron Hernandez. Um, it's a documentary on them. And um, first off, kudos to the person who put this document to, documentary together. Because, um, oh my goodness, there are some things that I did not know that I already knew and was stunned and took and blown away by. Um, now, for those who already see it, I know I'm late and I do apologize. Not really. I don't apologize for nothing. Unless I really did it on purposely. But I'm late with it. I'm sorry. You don't take me as I am. No end of your IRA. But <laughs> this documentary, man, was really... First off, like I said, kudos to the person that made it because this was really informational. And I really gained a lot of notes from me um, to talk about. Um, so that's always a plus. Um, also as well, like I said, a lot of uh, there's a lot of information into this um, documentary. And I'm just going to go ahead and break out to it. Now, for those who are you know, whatever your belief may be or your uh, preference, sexuality, um, it's going to be real nitty gritty. That's something that's offensive, offensive toward you. Go ahead and stop listening right now. Otherwise, if you're just not curious at this point of what, how I'm about to break this down, you'll keep your earbuds in. So, in this documentary, right, they talk about Aaron Hernandez from high school up to the final days of his life. Up to him going to the trial, get convicted for the murder, for the going to the second trial, finding not guilty, then two days later after that, he had, you know, allegedly committed suicide. Um, and then they actually break out some stuff that were actually going on with him personally, actually within his body, for years that it took this it took to the alleged suicide to figure out what was going on in regards to this and when it came out like keep in mind I'm an open book to this right someone told me about it I was like oh my god you got to check it out I was like you know what I might as well check it out what else I got to do so let me go ahead and do my little two bit two cents in and call it a day. Now, thoughts on this documentary? Oh my goodness. So, like I said, they start from high school up to the current. And the way this was portrayed, like, they started off high school. He was the, the goofy kid, the funny kid. Everybody has one. That one kid that was in high school that made everybody laugh, <laughs> that made everybody, the one that was always cracking jokes, but it was like the smartest one too as well. And that was like, that was that was him pretty much. He played, of course, he played football in high school. Um, he had a lot of friends. He was Mr. Popular. Um, but the time he was in high school was like around the time where you know, homophobia and dealing with sexuality was 
you know, a thing that was closet hidden. And I don't know if it's true or not. I, I'm not finna uh, think my assumption that and think that, you know, say that, you know, come out blade and say he was gay or bisexual or whatever the case may be. But it really went deep into that. And there's some things that, you know, I did not know. Like, he was like one of his friends who was bisexual, um, you know, was they, I guess they're like his first person or whatever. But from what the document came out to be that he was a closet gay. Now, I feel like to me, portraying it up front, because it wasn't just like, okay, this was talking about Aaron Hernandez, me and the Cubs gay, oh my gosh. No, they had like other NFL, um, former NFL players who are openly gay, um, who are openly bi, or and say, you know, it pretty much explain how that, how that process works. Just like, you know, build a foundation of somebody that did not know. That, to me, was like, okay, thank you. Because I didn't know what y'all was talking about to begin with. Now that I got the foundation of what y'all actually mean, it gets back straight to the documentary and talk about his life. So, what I didn't know was this. I already knew that he had went to uh, his collegiate college with Urban Meyer. Um, with Urban Meyer at the time was at the University of Florida. He went to play at the collegiate level in Florida. What I did not know that at age 14, um, he had, or I guess at this middle school, whatever, at the time he was in middle school, he had went to this camp. My year originally from, crazy name, he's originally from Connecticut. That New England side, that Maryland side, Boston, Bristol, like that area. That New England area, he's originally from there. So, did not know that. One. Two, what I also did not know that before he decided to switch up to go to Florida, he was committed to UConn, to Connecticut, for like years. And what changed, what I think, I guess, that changed his mind or changed his perspective from what they explain is the death of his father. Now, I ain't gonna lie. The way they portray his father is they say, as far as though, saying he was not the best, but he did his best. If that makes sense. You know, not everybody got the, the, a great, you know, a great parent or a great parents. Sometimes you just gotta run for what you got. And I think with the um, with his father being there and I guess him dealing with his sexuality um, it was like I guess structure in a sense where you really you played football you did this you didn't talk about nothing else but I think after his father passed you start to see that um, things was changing he went from this kid that didn't have no tattoos to by the age like he was 21 who was fully tatted. It was tattoos of God forgives, um, 
Like he had it all, and each it was crazy. Each of his tattoos was meaningful. Like it had a meaning behind it, per se. So to me, that stuck out as far as a cry for help, because I have a lot of friends that that do, do certain things. Well, I have one friend. We're not gonna name any names. That at one point um, in her life. It was like a cry for help, for just for attention. And I feel as though he went that route for attention. But as the story progressed, man, it just, it was really information. I love that. And it just, it talked about more into, okay, after the father passed, he changed his mind and went to Florida. Nobody saw it coming. He just went there. And, of course, playing with Urban Meyer, which I think is one of the best quarterbacks, I mean quarterbacks, best head coaches or best head coach program that's ever you know touched the collegiate level because you play for the Buckeyes go Buckeyes you know anywho I digress but he played with one of the great coaches and for him for him to play with one of the great coaches for Urban to see the potential he has was pure amazing. I mean, this 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 kid was this this dude was electrified. Like it was, he was fun to watch. You know, he wasn't just a tight end. He was a wide receiver. It was fun to, to watch. It was exciting to watch him. Right. But what also crazy is this: a um, one night, him he. One well, backtrack. What's crazy is this. It's like when he went to Florida, he started hanging out with the wrong crowd. And again, stay before I feel like that's a cry for help. When you start hanging with the wrong crowd and and you know, associating yourself with certain members or certain people, certain human beings. Sometimes that stigma gets attached to you, not the stigma that you have as a clean act attached to them. And it's like you just see, you start the beginning stages of the spiral. You didn't know where it was going. This is what came in like, like I said, the three part series. You guys gotta check it out. It's, it's, oh my goodness. It makes you think and wonder, like, it makes sense, but do I have sympathy? No. Um, so it pretty much like the first 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 part and a half told pretty much the building the foundation right second part really gets knee deep into him being the college level then him getting drafted to the New England Patriots actually coming back home, pretty much coming back to his hometown and killing it killing it in there now in the midst of all that, two murders happened. There was one murder in Florida that ended up killing two people. The murder that ended up two people dying um, from from that actual shooting that happened. And then, of course, the one that he got convicted for, the um, Odin Boy um, murder they got convicted for. Yeah. Some, some would say 
And it's again, it's my personal opinion just from, based on what I've seen and what I've watched off this documentary. Um, some would say that um, the main reason why um, he did what he did or he murdered uh, Boyd is because um, I get jealousy in a sense. But they don't really paint Odin Boyd as the person of the jealous type. Like this man with the community, you know, it, it went into the community, he plays semi-pro. The way they paint the picture is like he was content with playing semi-pro. I mean, he had players that vouched that, solidified that. I mean, plus Odin Boyd around Aaron Hernandez, because. And her and it's like constantly because his girlfriend and Aaron's girlfriend or girlfriend slash fiance are sisters. So of course you're gonna be around them twenty four seven all the time. You dating sisters, so you dating the other sister. One is dating the other sister. So of course you're gonna see that person. You may not know him or know nothing about him, but you try to strike a son of man, you know comfortable, you know, make it feel comfortable or whatnot, and what's crazy is it's, it's, it's almost as though, like when it said marijuana is helpful in the right way sidebar, marijuana is helpful in the right way, and if used correctly it can be really helpful and useful in medical Medical time, medical ideas, procedures, um, people with um, different type of diseases, different type of cancers, you know. It, it's a wide spread of that for cannabis. But we got to get into that later. We're not going to get too much into that. It's going to be safe for another time. Um, but back to the original I said, I felt this though they used as him smoking, smoking marijuana as... He, like his drug or his vice um, to cope with life and I can see that I can see why that would be used as a coping mechanism defense mechanism a coping method so I understand that process of that that you had him and Odin smoke like it just it's some parts, I'm not gonna lie. Some parts didn't kind of click. Had to watch it twice just to make sure that I heard it correctly. Then once I realized, like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But it, it made us though, like, he was slowly becoming the villain. He went from this hero to the villain. And of course, we you know how the story goes. And the breakdown of him and two other people picked up Odin and then went to this. They went to this. Um, empty field, of course, boom, boom, shot him, left him for dead, came back to the house as if though nothing happened. And it's crazy because he had the camera footage from his house as though nothing was happening. Everything was cool, cock collective. We all just chilling, having a gay old time like the Flintstones, right? And I'm just like, yo, something is really wrong with this kid. Something's really wrong with him. Like, seriously, something wrong with him. He needs help, bro. Help. Right? 
Finally, of course, you know how media is. Finally, of course, to get to the part that we all know. How media projected Aaron Hernandez as the suspect of this killer, the breakdown, and just went in with piece by piece, like following note by note. And when it finally came to the case of explaining the whole case of what happened at the first person he had to vouch for him and how he got gu- you know, found guilty, it was like his mother. It, 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 was, it was crazy. It was ridiculous. I won't say the word is ridiculous, but it was. It was eventful to see and different to see because there's two cases involving like I said before the Florida the case with the Florida the Florida case and the one here and the one in the, in, you know the Massachusetts case the Bristol case so long story short man um, his first case it was his mother his brother, his fiance, there, you know, for support. And you can see the tension in the courtroom divided up between two sisters. One one sister is in is 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 there for the suspect convicted killer and the other one's there cause her boyfriend has got killed by the person that's the that's her sister's boyfriend. This is his fiance. And he had a, it, oh, also the fact, didn't know he had a child. I mean, I did, but I didn't know how his child was like, at the time, you know, brand new. You know, like two, three, four, you know. Just now learning words. You know? And when they start, you know, going through the case and and, and like telling what happened and who interviewed what and how they hit the stands and people, the witnesses that came by and they did the video. I think with the first case, the surveillance video is what killed them. They got convicted of murder. Cause you, you show as a person, and DA was gunning for that. The one thing I didn't like, because. Yeah, me, well, me, what is it, me being a victim to the justice system, um, I know that feeling, that feeling on both sides, that feeling of supporting somebody, you don't know what's going to happen next, and actually being on the other side of that, of that wall, or of that, of that barrier, so, I can understand the scared thoughts in my mind of, man, if I get found guilty and I get this sent, I'm be gone forever. Right? But this man was cool. Like when they say guilty, and of course the fiance broke down, the mother broke down, and then this other sister broke down, and the mother of the other, other sister boyfriend broke down, like justice, and then it's like lost. But his emotions behind that. This is what we'll get into it. His emotions behind the first case was like nonchalant. Like, alright, bro, it, it is what it is, fam. Like, lock me up, throw away the key. And I was like, from a person who's 
Y'all have it all. I mean, started from the bottom, came to the top to get back to the bottom. Me personally, I would not have been nonchalant. I, I wouldn't have. I couldn't. I couldn't be nonchalant. You know what I mean? It's just it's not. It's not something in my character to be nonchalant. But of course, after that, went through the second case, got found not guilty, um, and you see from the difference from. Difference from the first case and second case as far as support. Support, it was just his fiance there and his child. Whether in the first case it was his, his, his fiance, his child, his family, brother, and all that. So it was like, you know, feeling left out, feeling alone. Only this one person looks out for you, is looking out for you, but nobody else wants to look out for you. Because you could tell, like, when they said not guilty, with all two verdicts for the two people, his his facial, he's like, it's like a sense of peace, a sense of relief. Um, you've seen across his face as far as the feeling that was expressed through, through, you know, through the documentary. And it was just like, like a sense of peace. And let that, oh, the lawyer who represented for a second case, which I did not know, fun fact, but I did not know, was the same lawyer that represented Casey Anthony. And when that whole case came in about her, you know, having her daughter, you know, her leaving her child for dead or her killing her daughter, let that marinate. You know that man is beast. That lawyer was, ooh. What? You know I know it was already on top of the prime too? Genius, man. But he went, but I like his style though. Cause he went piece by piece, break by break. You couldn't do this if this, this right? Correct. Poking holes in the DA. Like, it's none of the DA. The, the, the issue the attorney could do. I mean, they put up a fight, don't get me wrong, but it was really nothing that they really could do at that point. There's a man that uh, that knows what he's talking about and knows what he's doing. You know? So to add that, like I said, that not guilty verdict, you know, spoken out. It was like a sense of release across his face. But here's what the twist turns. Two days after that case, commit suicide. Allegedly commit suicide. I don't think it's really been confirmed. I, and I, I might look it up later. I have to let you know later if it's been confirmed or not. But <laughs> so I don't want to say that they screwed anything. But commit suicide and left a letter for his mother Oh no, was it? A letter for his fiance, his daughter, and his mother, I think. And what a for the letter for his fiance is like, you're rich. Right. And I guess the letter for his daughter was to, you know, explain, you know, all his, you know, some real cinema and that that part was kinda sad. I'm not gonna lie to you. It was kind of sad. It was like you got a chance to appeal 
the conviction of the first case. And instead of just going through that process, uh, going through that, you know, for the appeal for the first process, you know, for the appeal for the first case, it's like he just took his own life to sacrifice, like sacrifice his life for his family. And that, that I understand. That I understand. Me, me personally, though, I'm just not gonna take my life, but to, to make sure I'm straight. If 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 anything, if anything, I'm going to war for mine. You know, I'm going so the wheels fall off. I'm fighting to the end till I can't. But I had no fight left in me. You know, so I, I mean, I guess it's the same concept. I can't really relate to that as far as that, but. I say all that to say this. In certain parts of this documentary, you can see that there was a feeling, there was a... Uh... Ooh, let's get to the good part, y'all. I do apologize. I got notes. I took notes today on this. It was a sense. It was a sense of urgency, a sense of needing help, a sense of wanting attention, and I'm with that. That's a could be also associated as a feeling of being trapped. Heh. <laughs> Told you, low cups to eventually be meshing it together. Now, before we go deeper into further of, of what, of why, or the reason why, what. One my ex. What causes or trigger one's soul, one's mind, one's persons to be to have that feeling or to be to be or to have that feeling of being trapped? Well, I tell you, it's, it it could be all sorts of things. It could come from um, your childhood. It could come from childhood growing to adulthood. It didn't come from different scenarios in the beginning stages of your adulthood. Let alone, matter of fact, even the beginning stages of your childhood that could, you know, affect you in the long run. And not many, many people know this, but people who are or or individuals, let's say that. Let's use that as a phrase. Individuals who are um and I, and I believe this too. I hold a little individuals who are sexually abused or raped or um, a victim of of abuse of any form. That that takes a toll on somebody's not only physical and emotional, but somebody's mental state. Cause now the next person that comes to their life, they're judging that person or basing that basing that character off the person that was the, the abuser. Which turns which takes that and turns that to now to their form of abuse to the person who has not, done nothing wrong to them. And it's not just, you know, females, 
you know, most of you hear the stigma of females that are abused that takes it out on the man that's good. No, this happens on both sides of the playing field. It does not matter you're straight, gay, bisexual, whatever the case may be. It's taking place on both sides of the playing field. And what's crazy is, well, I won't say the word crazy. What's, what we fail to realize is that some sometimes these people these people sometimes these individuals that we associate that they associate as the ones being abused the ones being the victim um, and they get the guts to tell somebody we need to take it seriously like it's not something to be taken tread lightly and I think now as you know it's the 2020 day that now we say some of our being abused. Of course, we're gotten hold to it now. But back then, not so much. If it was abuse for a man, man if it was a man that was being sexually abused or being a victim of abuse of any form, it was like, ah, he, he just being a, he being a woods or a term or he being a, a female or he, or my favorite, which I hate so much, he being a pussy. Like, you don't know what it was going through. You don't know what that could have been. What kind of life that could have, you know, what could have been going on for him to act away. And because of that, that stigma, it, it builds up one or two things. Um, Someone who, who's uh, who's closeted within themselves, and I'm not saying like as in for our sexuality, I'm talking about just in general, closeted with themselves that they keep to themselves, they're antisocial, they become they become this antisocial person, the weird kid at your school. But the weird kid at one point wasn't always the weird kid, you know. Now. I feel like reasons why that some people are being, you know, a trap is because, or have the feeling of being trapped is because, like I said before, they don't have a way or have someone to talk to to express that. There's no therapy involved. There's no this. And the way money is set up now as far as insurance and everything gets to even go to a fourth for um, therapy or to speak to a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Psychiatrist, or to speak to a psych, probably a shrink, for that matter. It costs. Each session costs differently, and it gets to the point as what's the purpose? If I gotta pay, if I gotta chill out out of pocket, what my insurance that I have, three hundred, four hundred dollars just to talk to a shrink for one session? Why am I going? Now, there are some, I'm not saying every shrink is expensive. There are some shrinks that are affordable. You just got to look and see. But to the person that's, that's been abused all their life, and now they want to actually speak out and talk to somebody and see that, that, you know, sometimes that takes a toll on them, and then they go the other route as far as overdosing, ODing, doing other things, drawing on themselves, committing suicide, hanging themselves, overusing of drugs, abusing of alcohol. Um, doing hardcore drugs like cocaine and, and well you know what I, 
To me, first, I don't think consider, I don't really consider a coke cans a hardcore drug, unless you like in a certain age group. Like, think now in our generation, a, a hardcore drug is is opiates, heroin, um, meth, 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 crystal meth, um, acid. Um, PCP, that that those now consider hard the hardcore hardcore drugs. They always been hardcore drugs. I don't know why people are trying to just decipher as something different. But again, I say all that to say this, and um, we need to be able to, to decipher that when someone needs help, that we don't tread lightly and yet there's been progress now of you know not you know of someone saying help instead of saying help is now as a bro I need someone to talk to I got someone to get off my chest that's it's been a progress and that's all good and great still more work that we need to do um there's still more things that need to be put in place for certain scenarios um they still need be more programs, more affordable shrinks, more affordable uh, therapy sessions, more affordable ways to seek seek out therapy without feeling like I'm gonna be looked at a different way because I'm seeing the shrink. No, look at me. I'll tell you right now, from experience that I have friends who who go take their therapy. Yo, mental health is important. Yes, physical and emotional health is important as well. Because without your physical health, you can't be emotionally healthy. And that's all going well. But that, to me, that does not apply if you're not mentally, if you're not mentally healthy. Mentally stable, you know. You got to take care of your mental health. And, and you know, I think I'm going to say that for another show. I like to get more depth into that. Uh, but you got to take care of your mental health. And this is about how doing it. Going to the therapy session. Having someone to talk to. Um, someone to express themselves. This is a real deal. Holy field, man. You can't tread lightly. So. Anyway, that's all I really got to say today. Um, dang, I ain't think I'm going to be really talking this long. 38 minutes for this one little section. Um. So, in closing, man, <laughs> too much y'all think how I like to mesh that, mesh that together. Ooh, y'all didn't see that coming. Me either. I did. It took me three days to get this together. Um, I'm thinking about doing some changes and not, you know, probably tell more of the changes until the next show or just do it and just see what the response may be. Um, but oh, shout out to Cardio Music um, on SoundCloud. Yes, I do not own the rights to this music. It's with the Lo-Fi Hip Hop um, Jazz Hop Cafe um, on SoundCloud. Check them out; they're real dope. I like their vibes. Um, cause the ones I had before was not working for me it was too much um, 
Other than that, man, um, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for, you know, listening. And if you haven't already, go ahead and hit that favorite button or subscribe button or whatever you want to call that button to follow. Hit that button. Hit that so you can get in tune every time I drop a new show. I'm thinking about doing every Tuesday and every Friday of each week. Or Tuesday and or Friday. So that way you see a show come out each week. Um, so, yeah, once again, man, thank you so much. Uh, to my friends, I appreciate y'all. And um, this has been a cool rendition of the, of the Yellow Mansion Chronicles. <laughs> Peace.